Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Welcome to part 11 of Paul's uh, life and ministry. I first want to start by recapping on the last time we, um, you know, what, what I went over. We covered 2 Timothy, and the first key verse that I went over was 2 Timothy 1.8. I'm not going to read the scripture, but I would recommend that you guys look this up if you can uh, on your own time. Um, but Paul talks about in, uh, in this verse, uh, to never be ashamed of your faith. And I, I shared, you know, with that, in, for instance, when we're in a restaurant with family, maybe having a meal, um, do we hesitate to pray? Do we feel they may think, or you may not want to deal with what they may think, but at that moment, do you feel a little ashamed that you're afraid of what people may think if you want to pray? Um, But Paul encourages you to not be ashamed, for us not to be ever to be ashamed of our faith and to live it out in everyday life. And the next key verse was 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. This reminded us that we are in a spiritual battle. That once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you enlisted in a spiritual army in God's kingdom. And at that point, you become a threat to Satan. And remember that, that when you go through those times, to remember that Satan is not going to bother you in those times that you're already involved in the world. Why mess with something that works? But once you get saved and receive the Holy Spirit as your, you know, as your guide, as your director, um, you became a threat to him now, and he's going to do whatever he can to bring you down. And we became a target. Just remember who's on your side. And that's why it's important to be in fellowship with one another. There's always strength in numbers. And while you are Satan's, like I said, he will not bother you. But remember one important fact that I said in the last, um, last time I taught we are on the winning side. So no matter what you go through, no matter what trial, whatever Satan tries to do, he knows he's a loser. He may win some battles, but he's not going to win the war. And you're on the winning side. Next key verse. The second Timothy 3, 1 through 5. And this was about when you start fearing 
by looking at all the stuff going on around us. You know, for instance, like Peter, when he's walking on the water, as long as his eyes are fixed on Jesus, he walked and he stayed on top of the water. But as soon as he took his eyes off and he looked at the storm, he sunk. I guarantee, I know I've done it, but as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, no matter what you're going through, he'll keep you walking and he'll keep you strong. But as soon as you start looking around you, that's when you're going to start panicking. Paul reminds Timothy of this. As it gets closer to the end times, this stuff has to happen. All the stuff that you see going on, all the confusion. How are we, why should we be surprised that this is happening when they take God out of everything? You take God out, Satan is the prince of confusion and lies. And as soon as you do it man's way, it's going to be messed up. I don't care who you get in office, who you vote for. It won't matter. Jesus is the only one that can do it right. The next key verse, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. This talks about persecution. Now for the life of me, the scriptures talk about it over and over and over. But when it happens, why are we surprised? You know, we, we became Satan's target. So when we receive persecution from the world, why are we surprised? Like I said, it's mentioned over and over again in scripture. How we Christians also need to be prepared and we need to prepare ourselves for spiritual battle. So as Christians, as enlisted in God's kingdom, in a spiritual, as a spiritual soldier, we need to prepare ourselves as soldiers for battle. And I gave some examples of that, like for police officers, you know, first aid, now firefighters, and soldiers. They all have to practice over and over and over and over. So it becomes natural. They don't have to think. It just, just comes. That's why for us as Christians, it's very important for us to understand the scriptures. So we can tell the difference between a counterfeit and the real deal. Again, practice. And remember, I reminded everyone that you know, following Christ comes with a price. But the payout there is going to be is going to be beyond anything that this world has to offer. Now, what I mean by following Christ has a price, you may lose friends. You may lose a job because you're living as a Christian as God would want you to. And you may be persecuted and they may not want you to be that reflection of Christ to them because now you're a mirror and they don't want to see the flaws in their own life. But God says be of the world but not of the world. Be in the world but not of the world. So we need to reflect Christ wherever we are. And again, 
the rewards far outweigh that price that you may pay here at some times, the struggles you may encounter, people you may lose as friends. God will put new ones in your life. Now, we're going to be going over Titus. Now, first it was written around AD 63. And Titus was another uh, companion and disciple of Paul. And Titus was a church leader and missionary in Crete, in the island of Crete. Now, Crete is the largest island in Greece and the fifth largest island in the Mediterranean Sea. Now, it's south of Greece, but it's southwest of Turkey. Just to give you a little overview. Crete, Greece, Turkey, and then Africa down below. And there's Cyprus. Now, Paul goes with Titus to Crete uh, to organize the churches in the cities. And by... In chapter 1, Paul begins by instructing Titus by appointing elders. And the, uh, what would, the criteria that would meet an, a good elder. And to also, for the elders, to oversee the purity of the doctrine. In other words, to kind of watch the flock and, and watch an owl for that those counterfeits. Also, the good conduct of believers. Making sure the flock stays on track. For example, the crossfields here, I know all the pastors and all us elders try our best to give you all the truth and nothing but the truth. As Pastor Joe has said up here many times in the pulpit, we will not give you fluff, just fluff. We will give you the stuff that may be hard to hear. It may be uh, tough to swallow. But many times we all need to hear what we need to hear. And God wrote it in his word for a reason, not to be glossed over because it may not be so comfortable for us. And... We look out for every one of you because we care and love everyone here. And we don't want you to fall into those um, false doctrines, those uh, false prophets. And don't be fooled either. Just because somebody sits in these pews, don't think that they have your best interest in mind and that they are believers. Matthew 7.15 says, Beware of false prophets, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. There's a reason why that's in there. He's warning us not to be naive enough to think that everybody in the church loves you, has the best interest in you. And I would be aware sometimes when people are flattering a little bit more than they should. Reminds me of a used car salesman. No offense if anybody's a used car salesman. <laughs> I'll buy a car from you. Well, next key verse, 
Titus 2.7. In all things, show them how to live by your life and by right teaching. If we do this, if we live the right kind of life as God wants us to live, what kind of life do you think a church would reflect? A church with, with changed and purified lives that produce good deeds. As our hearts change and as, as we become more and more like Christ, we desire to do more for Christ. And the more Christ-like we want to be, the more we want to touch other people. And that's what it means by doing those good deeds. It's not to earn anything. We don't earn anything other than the blessing from serving others and God's favor. Next key verse is Titus 2.14. And it says, Who gave himself for us, that we might redeem, that he, um, he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. When we realize what Christ has done for us, we realize the price that he paid for our sins, past, present, and future. How does that not motivate us to be zealous for him? To want to do more. And I think, and myself included, I think sometimes we get too caught up in our lives. And forget about other lives. And I'm not saying to not enjoy what we have. But what good are those things if we don't use it for God's purposes? We need to remember his saving grace. And his mercy on our lives every single day. Especially what he did on a cross for us. Something we did not deserve. But he did it for our love for each and every one of us. And if you're a true Christian, I don't believe you should be sitting around doing nothing. And here it comes. I don't think we should be doing nothing. Now, I know there are times, you know, uh, maybe you're new, you know, even new Christians, they can still be busy doing things. There are certain things maybe because of immaturity in their faith, they can't do. But you know what? It doesn't take much to clean a bathroom. There's a lot of needs in churches. And just going, you know, when I was a young Christian, what I did was I typed up my testimony of how I got saved. And I used to go to Kingsburg, uh, Kingsburg, uh, board, uh, Kingsburg Beach, um, and actually share and give out flyers of my testimony to people. And you'd be surprised how that opens up a door to people because they're like, this person doesn't even know me, 
but yet they have no problem. They're, they're open enough to share their life of what God changed in their lives. And it opened, we actually sat on the benches right in the middle of the boardwalk and just talked. And people were actually very open to that. And um, you'd be surprised. And you, you know what? You love Christ. It really doesn't take much to share. You know, even as a new believer. So I just wanted to encourage that. You sh- we should not be just sitting around. That's not what God wants us to do as believers. And like I said, there are many needs. There are people hurting. There are people out of jobs. There are people damned to hell if they died today. But yet we sit in our comfort zones and we do nothing. And how many babies, newborns, are being killed every day? Instead of complaining about it, what are we doing about it? And I'm personally convicted about that because that's one thing that's already irked me and I've never done a whole lot about that. The next key verse is 3, 1 through 8. It says, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for good work, to speak... um, Yeah, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish. I'm going to pause for that for a second. How many people, how many times have we've gotten frustrated with new believers? Or non-believers? I'm included there, but how many times have we done that? God spoke to me when I was reading this. We need to remember, we were also once foolish. So when you lose your patience with someone else, take a good look at yourself and where you were, and maybe what God saved you from at some point in your life, and what it took to get your attention. So, when this, and you've got to remember, when you're not saved, you don't have the discernment of Scripture. You're not going to understand. You have that veil over your eyes at that point. You can't expect them to understand what we know because our eyes were opened. So when they're foolish, remember how foolish we were too. For our, so for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, Deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness of the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, there's nothing that we did to deserve it, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Through the washing of, of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He didn't just pour it, like drip it out. He poured it out abundantly. 
lost my place. That having been justified in grace should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly. That those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. says it in just in Eastcript, just in Titus, how many times God has mentioned about work, good works, good deeds. And what does he say? Maintain it. He says maintain good works because God needs it. No, and that's not what it says. It says because it's good and profitable to us. God doesn't need it. It's for our good. It's not for God's good. It's profitable to every, each and every one when we serve him. And we are blessed when we do it. I don't know, for those who were here, Heather and Maria shared about their experience with um, reaching out to the community and about watching the woman walk up with the stroller. And I saw the emotion on their, uh, on their faces, how it really touched them but they said something which is so true when you serve, is that you go out to serve to bless people, but it turns in reverse. It ends up blessing you. So again, it's profitable to us and to the people that we get to share with and to encourage. God doesn't need any of it, but he wants us to be blessed. Now, scriptures regarding serving, because it seems to be a pattern here. Pastor Joe, myself, and Pastor Vinny have been talking about somewhat of servant, being a servant, serving, and we have not talked to each other about what we were going to be teaching. It's definitely God and the Holy Spirit, and there's a reason why it's being said. So I wanted to share some of the scriptures, just a touch of what, in scripture about serving. Hebrews 6.10. And I like the uh, New Living Translation version, the way it's worded. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. It's not only for believers, though. It's for other people, being other-centered. So not only are we profiting from it, we're pleasing God, our Father in heaven. Galatians 5.13. It says, For you have done, uh, been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. That's big. We're all guilty of that, I'm sure, at times. You know, we're going to be sinful till we go to you know, the other side of eternity. But we do have the Holy Spirit to guide us. 
and to convict us when needed. So, and, and instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. <clears throat> See, we can take that freedom that we have in Christ and not do what God wants us to do. You know, it's kind of like you're looking for fire insurance. Now you're saved now, you're not going to go to hell. So now I'm good. This doesn't end there, that's the beginning. We're supposed to be out there serving. And in here serving. Wherever it is, we need to be serving. First Samuel 12.24 says, But be sure to fear, fear the Lord and faithfully serve him. Think of all the wonderful things he has done for you. Again, First Samuel when we think about what God has done for each and every one of us, shouldn't that, motivate, shouldn't that motivate us to serve him more? And we need to fear the consequence when we don't obey him. Just like we do to our worldly fathers. There should be a consequence to our action. Good and bad. I was on the side of, sometimes I was put on the shelf when I was in obedience to God. I don't like it. I have ADD. I, I can't sit still. I don't like being put on the shelf and not serving God. Now Romans 7, 6 says, But now we have been released from the law, for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, See, once we were in bondage to the law, but now once we got saved, the chains were let go. They were unlocked. Now we have that freedom in Christ. But what do we do with it? Not in the old way of obeying the uh, letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the Spirit. Are we living that new way in the Spirit? From the time we get saved, are we serving in the new spirit? Are we serving others? Are we serving ourselves? Now Hebrews 9.14 says, Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciousness from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. You know, worship is not just singing. It's also doing in a way of serving him. It's a form of worship. John 12, 26. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. Are you where God is? And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. I want God's honor 
don't know about you. And I can't say I always have. But I want God's honor. This may have been one of my shortest messages, but I pray that something touched you to where you want to serve him. Not because you feel you have to, because you want to. Now, as Paul grew in his relationship and his knowledge of God, his desire to please God in serving others grew. This is my 11th part of Paul. From his conversion, prior to his conversion, to ministry that he was involved with. And the more he grew, the more he wanted to make sure that others knew what he knew. He discipled those who needed discipleship so they can pass it on to others and encourage those believers. And knowing the goodness that comes out of that, he encouraged Titus. When he learned all this, he couldn't help but want to give that to others. You remember, Paul was in prison. but That didn't stop him either. He never let anything stop him. Unfortunately, to serve, some people, I mean, we all need breaks from things sometimes, but you know what? There are times when we should be here. It really doesn't take a whole lot to be here for an hour. But yet we choose to be, you know, the sun's nice outside. I'm sorry, I'm going to say something that's probably going to offend a lot of people, but I'm sorry, I, I care. That's why I'm saying it. But we don't prioritize our lives as we should, I believe. The more we get to know God, the better we'll become as believers to walk in the way we need to walk. You can get the sun anytime you want. But doesn't God deserve your best? Look what he did for you. I think he deserves your best. And then he helps Titus, first by encouraging to appoint elders to help him with the church. I tell you, when I was first um, spoke to Pastor Paul, I mean Pastor Joe, about becoming an elder, I never thought, when he gave me a book to read, I was not even a few pages through, and I called him up and said, are you crazy? I don't qualify. He goes, perfect, and God can use you. Because again, through our weaknesses, God shows his greatness. And I need to be reminded of that. Because I probably would have sat on the couch and not done anything if I thought that the rest of my life. And again, we're here as leaders to protect the sheep from the false doctrine. And so Paul was also encouraging Titus to do the same thing for the churches in Crete. To make sure that false doctrine doesn't slip its way in. Of course, it can be like a cancer. You know, eat it from the inside out. 
And unfortunately, it would cause younger believers. That's why it's important that we place those younger believers under our wing. Because they could get lost very easily and become a stray sheep. And also, we're here to help the good conduct of believers, to keep them on track. Paul wanted Titus to do this also in Crete, to make sure he kept the churches on track, the people in it. And it's something that we try to do here. We're not perfect. And lastly, Take some time to remember where you came from before you were saved. Take some time to dwell on that. To remember where you were how many years ago before you were saved. And where you might be now if you weren't. I probably would not be here now. Because I lived on the edge a little bit. I wasn't happy of that. But God saved me from that. And I'm sure many of you can relate. And when you reflect on that, I pray. I really pray hard that it causes you to want to do something with that. And serve him. Somehow or another, serve him. Because you will not be disappointed. My wife Rose and I, we, we can't begin to tell you how we've been blessed by serving in whatever aspect. We became We wanted to always open up our homes, no matter where we were, no matter what we did. Wherever we got the home, we prayed, Lord, if you want us to have this home, I want it to be used for your glory. And we became foster parents. That was such a blessing. Rose had to kind of talk me into doing it. Because at first, I was being selfish. I liked my time. But when these kids came in a home that were hurting, it was such an honor to be able to be a part of their lives to touch them. And that's just one of many ways that you could, and some actually come back still. One was, her name is Marissa, came back last, uh, last weekend. And it was, it's so neat to see her, you know, to see what God's doing. And then we had another girl, I won't give her name, but she was a tough cookie. She was really tough. I laid in on her so many times. But there was nothing. She was so angry at the world that she needed someone to love her, to be used. And when Rose and I did, we, well, we did. We said what we did, and we were like, all right, it's time. She moved on. One thing went to another. She went to her mom's again. Later down the road, this is how God uses us and can use you. I believe my daughter, Kate, saw a, a posting on Facebook She became a Marine. And she became a believer. Because she went to live, correct me if I'm wrong, honey, with her aunt in Florida. And she's a believer. That's how God works. If you're available. And again, it's not our abilities. God gives you what you need. It's your availability. That's what he wants. And remember again what God saved you from. And by doing this, again, I pray and hope that it motivates you to 
What has been my theme tonight? Serve him. Yeah, just serve him. And I, I, again, you, when we serve him, we, we are never disappointed. Never. God will never disappoint you. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you. Let's turn around.